mentioned the summer of cricket. It gets in full swing on Wednesday when the Australians take on the West Indies at Optus Stadium in Perth. I can't wait for it. I love my cricket. This man loves his cricket. And, of course, he's a co-host of the Big Sports Breakfast during the week. A colleague of ours, Michael Clark, is on the line. Michael, good morning. Morning, boys. Happy Sunday. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. I told Dino I'm all excited about Wednesday. Are you excited about this summer of cricket, Michael? Two tests versus the Windies, three against South Africa. Uh, Ray, I'd like to be able to sit here and lie to you, but I can't. Um, I'm not excited, to be honest, buddy. I'm nervous. Okay. I feel like we're, you know, I, I love every summer. I obviously love my cricket and I want to see Australia play well, but I'm nervous about how West Indies are going to compete. I'm, I'm scared they're going to be, you know, at best three-day test matches. Um, I think South Africa will be competitive. I think that'll be a competitive series, but I'm... Again, I don't know how the South African batters are going to go in these conditions. Are they going to make enough runs to to compete with Australia? Um, so, yeah, I'm a little worried about the quality of the entertainment for the fans. And, you know, we've already had a 2020 World Cup. We've got the BBL. You've got Test Match Cricket. You know, are the fans going to turn out and support this Australian team? So I think nervous is probably the right word for me. Fair enough. Clark, you just mentioned, and we'll, look, we'll get the negative out of the way and then we'll stick to the positives. But the negative is, you just mentioned it, will the fans turn out and support the Australian team? Do you think they will? And is the Australian team on the nose, Clarky? Oh, mate, I think there's, there's something going on, and there has been, obviously, since Sandpaper Gate. I think there's a... You know, I, th- I, I don't know exactly what it is. We, we speak about it every day on, on the Big Sports breakfast, breakfast as well. We're trying to work it out. And I, I think there's probably been a number of things that have caused, um, you know, the questions that are around this Australian cricket team, the, the trust within Cricket Australia, the trust within the playing group. Um, you know, I think Sandpaper Gate's been, been the major factor. The, how the Justin Langer thing went down, whether people think he should be coach or shouldn't be coach, how it all went down and the the talkings behind the coach's back, I think has caused some beef. Um, there's obviously been some stuff off the field with, you know, some talk about individual players and not wanting to be a part of certain sponsors. So little things just keep throwing extra pebbles on that pile of negativity at the moment. And to be honest, we just got smoked in the 2020 World Cup. That doesn't yeah. help. Yeah. You know, I think that's the most important thing from a player's perspective. Get back to playing good, hard cricket in any format. Get back to winning games of cricket. And then the other stuff you can deal with behind closed doors. You know, at the moment, I think the Australian players are doing a lot of good things. Signing autographs for kids, go going over and above. But the fans aren't getting to see that or the media is not taking that and running with it because there's, the, there's these things, you know, that are, that are piling up that are negative things. So... Yeah, I think winning from a player's perspective is a good start and playing a good, aggressive brand of cricket, get back to the Australian way, and then hopefully Cricket Australia with the players can be building the other stuff. It wasn't that long ago, was it, Michael, that we were celebrating a 4-0 Ashes win last summer, so it doesn't seem that long ago, but so much has happened since. Michael, you, yeah. you, you're taking what... Justin Langer said during the week, and I'll preface that by saying we've got an SMS from one of our listeners, Lenny, who said Langer is carrying on like he's the only person to be hard done by in professional sport. He should just move on. What what was your take on the whole thing, Mike? It's tough to to watch, to be honest. Again, cricket doesn't need it. Um, 
you know, I feel for everyone involved. I didn't like the way Lang was, you know, he wasn't sacked, but he was offered a six-month contract. I found that quite disrespectful considering his results, how good he was doing. But at the end of the day as well, like in, in business, sometimes you get sacked. Sometimes there's no reason for it. Sometimes you think you're, you're better than what your boss thinks or the board thinks. But, you know, that, that happens in life as well. Um I don't want, like, this is the hard thing, you know, Lang's going to be in the media, so he's going to just give his view and how he feels, and he's entitled to do that. Cricket Australia can do the same, and and that causes front-page and back-page news. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd like to see it just fade away and everyone just move on, but at the moment it's still a talking point, and and that's because JL's results were very good. Uh, He gets fired or doesn't, you know, get to re-sign a long-term contract, a new coach comes in and the boys, you know, go and lose a 2020 series or, or World Cup in a way that wasn't good enough in our own backyard. We should have performed better than that. So that's always going to be the case. There's people on JL's side. There's people on the players' side. And it create, that's what you want. It polarises, causes opinion, and that's what sells. That's what makes papers, and that's why we talk about it on radio every day. So I think it is what it is. Um, the players need to not get too concerned. It sounds like a lot of individual players have got uh, still got a good friendship with Lang. Uh, sounds like he's going to be working for Channel 7 through the summer, so he will see the players. I'm sure they'll be fine, and um, yeah, yeah, this stuff yeah. just mm. goes away in time, yeah. But, again, it's just, like you mentioned, um, you know, the Ashes. I think one of the other things that, you know, people have beef with as well is how Tim Payne's been treated, what went down there. Yeah. You know, all of that, add that on top of everything else, and that's what I'm saying. It seems like there's there's a number of things at the moment that, the public or the fans are dis- um, uh, not agreeing, disagreeing, sorry, with whether it's the team or Cricket Australia, and that's causing, you know, some unwanted headlines. Mm. Clarkie, let's look back at your wonderful career. I'm always interested to know the pressure that an Australian captain is under. Could you take us inside what it was actually like? Did you feel it every day? Did you thrive on it? Did you enjoy it? Were there times when you hated it? Tell us what it's like to be an Australian uh, cricket captain, which mm. many say is the status second, of number two. Second highest office in the land, the isn't the it? Prime Minister. Yeah, uh, look, I loved it, Bulldog. I, I didn't have it. My dream was to play cricket for Australia, never to captain Australia, but to get that opportunity and honour, and it is an honour, um, was very special and I cherished it. I, you know, I enjoyed the challenges that threw up. Um, you know, yeah, there's obviously, there's tough days. It's 24-7. You don't turn mm. your phone off. There's more stuff that happens on the field than off the field. Your day off feels like when you're walking out to bat, to be honest. Playing was the easiest part. But I enjoyed the tactics around captaincy as well. Like, I think that's that's the other thing that a lot of people forget quickly. Yes, there's responsibility that comes with captaining Australia. And yes, there's the whole talk around, you know, it's the second most important job in the country to the Prime Minister. But you know what your job and responsibility is? going out there and helping your team win games of cricket. That's the number one role you have. Yes, you're a role model for young boys and girls. Yes, you have other responsibilities. Yes, you need to lead the team the right way off the field. I get all that. But your actual job, first and foremost, is to help your team win games of cricket. So if you're a batsman, that's make runs. If you're a bowler, that's take wickets. As a leader, there's picking the bowler's ball at the right time, setting the right fields, declaring at the right time. You know, all that stuff is your number one focus. So I think as long as, you know, for me, as long as that stayed in the front of my mind, all the other stuff I was okay with, like, 
I was chucked into this Australian cricket thing from a young age, which I loved, and I didn't understand everything that come with it, and I made a lot of mistakes, and I had to deal with, you know, media and cameras out the front of your house and all the stories being written that weren't true, but I think you're never completely comfortable. We just accept that You're like, okay, whatever. Like, even now, if someone's out the front in my car now, my little girl, there's a dude out the front of the, at the house taking photos. I'm like, oh... You know what? Happy Sunday, man. Have a good photo. Like, you just get on with it. And I think the more you try and, I don't know, sometimes we can make life hard for ourselves by not keeping it simple. Not not just, there's always someone worse off. Like, I was so lucky. I was so lucky to play the sport that I loved for such a long period of time. And I'm I'm so lucky now that I've my career's over and you move on. Somebody else gets that chance. And I don't know. I mightn't have said that at 25, but when I look back on my, my career, not just my captaincy, I cherished it, I loved it, I'm happy I had the opportunities, but now it's also awesome to mm. be out of that and watch others do their thing. Now, I know where you're coming from. Michael, there, there are so many highlights through your career, but there's one particular period I really wanted to, to ask you about. It was after losing the Ashes in England in 2013, the quick turnaround of the summer of cricket back home, taking mm. on England again. I know that was a close series in England, but to turn that around and to comprehensively defeat that English side 5-0 and in that summer of 13-14, and 14, which was, as a cricket lover, was great to watch. How did you galvanise the team after the disappointment through, through the middle of the year and turn it around so comprehensively in a matter of months? Yeah, I didn't have to do much, to be honest. There was so much fire in the belly because we, we thought we had a, a team good enough over in England, mm. and we and we didn't, so we were disappointed. Um, and my focus really was just the first test match. I thought if we could win the first test at the Gabba, that really sets a tone for us. That sets us up for the rest of the series. Uh, and the way we went about that first test match was exactly how we planned. You know, we our preparation was good. We we planned to be aggressive. We had set plans to certainly their tail enders in regards to aggression and how we're going to go about it. Um, as a captain, I had the attack that I wanted. Uh, they knew what the rules of engagement were, and they were good enough to, to execute. So, you know, I think, and a lot of people talk about what drives, you know, what drives you at the highest level in sport. And yes, you know, people get paid a lot of money, and yes, there's so many great sides to, to playing sport at the highest level, but I tell you, it's the hunger. Yeah. If you got that hunger, that's, that's what gets you out of bed every day to try and become better. And we as a team, we had that. We knew we wanted to win. We knew we wanted to dominate. We knew the brand of cricket we were going to play. We knew if we got a sniff to be on top, we, you know, we weren't taking that foot off the throat. We were going to try and destroy England because we were so devastated with what happened, you know, over in the UK six yep. months earlier. And you can see in the way we played. Like, you look at Mitchell Johnson, how aggressive he Phenomenal. was in the ball. You look Phenomenal. at Ryan Harris. But then... You know, you look at the work that Shane Watson and Peter Siddle did with the board to allow me to use Mitchell Johnson in two, three over spells. You know, I could save Mitch and make sure he was fresh because of the work of the other boys, Nathan Lyon, you know. So everyone contributed, everyone played their role, and no coincidence, we, we played the brand of cricket that I think that's how Australia plays their best cricket. Love that's it. what how we played in that series is exactly how I was taught from a young age to play sport, to play cricket. Yeah, aggressive in your face. There was a spell that, what well, number of spells that Mitchell Johnson did during that series which were 
just phenomenal with it. It was a particular spell in Perth, which was hostile, it was aggressive, it, it was fast bowling at its absolute best. It was fearsome to watch, Clarky. Yeah, and Mitch had that skill, you know. Not many players get that luxury. Some people have got the pace or some people have got the swing or the seam. Uh, some people have the accuracy. Not many people have it all. And Mitch was one of those athletes. He did. He was left arm, so already he had a slight advantage, in my opinion, to, to right-handed batters. Mm. He, he had that fire inside him. When he was on, oh. he was as tough <laughs> as they came. He had the speed, you know, 150 Ks. Um, and in that series, particularly... He knew his job. Like, man, we, we, there were so many times on the field, he was like, Skip, give me another over. I was like, put the ball down. You're not bowling. You're done. He goes, man, I just got two wickets in an over. I go, awesome. Job done. Put it down. <laughs> Ryan Harris, Peter Siddle, whatever. Save, I'm saving you, Mitch. And then we get another wicket or somebody else had come in where I had a set plan. It was Mitch. And it was like, let him loose again. Mm. You know, it was like he was, he, he was on a, uh, yeah, the, yeah, we nearly had him on a leash and he was dying to get let off. So every time I got that ball in his hand, he just wanted to go, you know. And it worked. Yeah, Glenn McGrath, his whole career was like that. Any time you took him off, he would be spewing at you. <laughs> you want that, Clarky? That's exactly what you want, mate. That's 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 when you know someone's at their best. That's when you know someone wants to be in the game. It's the same as like you know, I remember playing with you know, so many great players. If they weren't batting or bowling, they wanted to field in. Wherever the ball went, I'll field in slip if they're going to nick it. I'll field at point if they're going to hit the ball there. I'll field at mid-off if they're... I'm like, mate, relax, mate. There's 11 players in the game. But no, they, they were that hungry. They wanted to be involved the whole mm. time. And that's what you want. I always laugh at the uh, resting rotation policy these days. I <laughs> often say, imagine telling Dennis Lilly's being rested <laughs> for a test match. Imagine telling Shane Warne... <laughs> Glenn McGrath. ...being rested for a Boxing Day test match. Oh, Are you joking? No. Because you've got fatigue in inverted commas. It would have been World War Five. <laughs> Clarky, eight and a half thousand runs, an average or test average of 49. But for me, uh, your most famous knock, I think it was in 2012 V India SCG, 329 not out. Possibly your most defining test innings? Uh, I don't know. I'm special at home in front of my family to make triple 100. I never thought I'd do that. Um, that was special. I don't know most defining Bulldog. I don't know. I feel like there was, you know, there was innings through my career that I didn't make, I didn't feel great or the ball wasn't in the middle of the bat, but I'd, I'd scratched out some runs to help the team win. And, and I think my, probably my favourite was I got 100 in South Africa where we had to win that test to get back to number one in the world. When I took over the captaincy, we'll rank fifth. And we did a lot of work as a team. And we went through fire. Like, you know, you think about the homework gate or whatever they called it, where guys got sacked or stood down in, mm. in India. You know, it was virtually the same group of players that, that were there in South Africa where we won that last test match um, in Joburg and, and went back to being number one in the world. So I think that 100 for me was probably more important or more defining in... You know, the goals that I had. But, yeah, look, man, I'm not giving a 329 back. Let me tell you, <laughs> I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was nice to, you know, to hit the ball in the middle of the bat so consistently through that innings. And, again, any time I get to play at the SCG or got to play at the SCG, I had my family there, so it made it extra special. I was more nervous. I I wanted to do, you know, better than normal. So, yeah, that was that was good. Clarky, unknown uh, text messages here in terms of no name on it. Hey, Dino, ask... Pup about his bowling effort against India. Clarky, top of my head, was it six for nine? 
He was, mate. My, anytime I'm getting wickets, you know how bad conditions are, <laughs> put it that way. My dad could have got six wickets on that pitch. It was horrible. Did we win that test well, match or lose? No, we lost. lost. I we thought we did. We lost. Well, yeah. I think we needed... I think we needed 104 in the second innings to chase, and we got bowled out for 91. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was. So amazing. yeah, we won that series. Um, that was my that was my Test debut series into 2004. But yeah, Matt, I wasn't a good bowler. Like I, you could bowl some. I could bowl some part-time spinners on day three or day four in a Test match when all they had to do was put it somewhere close, and the natural variation, <laughs> the pitch would spin the ball. I didn't spin it. So Warnie used to say to me all the time, he goes, "Mate." There's a reason you call it a spinner. You've got to spin the ball. I said, mate, I'm trying. Trust me, I'm trying. <laughs> oh, warning, what, what a legend. Hey, yeah. Michael, running out of time, could talk to you all day. I love my cricket. But if you could, for our listeners, uh, Michael Clark's prediction of the West Indies and South African Test Series this summer. Uh, West Indies, Australia will win 2-0. Uh, and they'll dominate. Like I say, I reckon they're going to be three-day Test matches at best, unfortunately. Um, South Africa... I'd love to say 2-1. I'd love to see South Africa win a test just to, to make it competitive, but I think Australia will win 3 now. Okay. Clarkie, it's still hard to digest that the great man SK Warren won't be with us in the commentary box. How much yeah. did you miss him? How much did you love him? Uh, just run us through your emotions when you hear his name mentioned yeah. even today. Yeah, it's still hard to talk about, mm. to be honest. Um I think everyone will miss him. I think he's, you know, he was one of a kind as a player and, and, and really he was one of a kind as a commentator. You know, the way he spoke about the game, his, his knowledge and, and how he read, read the game and can also, how he could also explain that to somebody at home on their couch that never played or never sat in the change room. is It was phenomenal. It was one of a kind. So, yeah, in regards to that, I think everyone will miss his voice and, um I'm sure a lot of the media will miss will miss him as well because they used to write about him every day. Uh, as a friend, no brainer. It's, I think about him every day. Yeah, no, he's just so, a legend. Yeah, not fun. Not fun. Yeah, massive imprint on not only Australian cricket but Australian life. Shane Warne. Hey, um, Michael, it's been an honour to have you on the show today. Thank I you, think boys. my colleague is going to begin co-hosting with you tomorrow morning. Tomorrow, yeah, can't wait to see you, Bulldog. Nice Let's... and early, buddy. Get to bed early. Let's gang up on Buzz, mate. Oh, mate, love a buzz on a Monday morning. Hey, Michael, I don't know if you've been listening the whole show, but you have got another colleague here in studio you have to deal with tomorrow. Who have I got? Tanya's been absolutely terrified by it. A rather large huntsman. And we don't don't know where he's gone. It's the size of the palm of your hand and it's gone. We don't know where it's gone. You can't find it. No, No, we can't find it. Oh, my God. You don't need to be telling me that as well. I'm going to be freaking at 4 (laughs) a.m. If you, somewhere, if you feel like opening your leg, Clarky, you'll know. No, I won't be sitting down the whole show. I'll be standing up. <laughs> where, where does Clarky sit then? He sits in the middle. Middle, okay. So yeah. I'll, I'll be on the wings. So okay, so where Dino I'll is sitting. I'll protect you, Clarky. Dino, where, where, uh, Michael, where mate. Dino is sitting, he's in the danger zone because it's somewhere over yeah. that side of the studio. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be on Mido's lap. I'll <laughs> be <laughs> <on> <laughs> <the> <laughs> hey, Michael, it's been great talking to you. Really appreciate Thanks, it, boys. mate. Um, uh, best of luck with the summer cricket. I can't wait for Wednesday in Australia to take on the West Indies and. We'll listen to all your thoughts on cricket and all matters sport tomorrow morning on Big Sports Breakfast. Thanks so much, Michael. Thanks, boys. Have a good Sunday. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having me.